At some point, somebody came alongside us. It was somebody or some event or something that pointed us down the path of Christian education. We need to remember, guess what? We're really making a difference in the world. It is such a privilege. The opportunities that we have in our classrooms to go out and to teach the kids, to show them the world with a biblical worldview and to inspire the next generation for Christ. Wow, we're the lucky ones. Welcome to the BJU Press Teacher Edition Podcast, where Christian educators are encouraged and inspired as we bring you interviews, practical ideas, strategies, and answer your questions about teaching in today's culture. And here's your host, Jenny Copeland. Welcome back. This is part two of our discussion about promoting student engagement. If you missed part one, you really need to go back and catch that episode. Cindy Dickinson is here with me again, and in part one, she shared some very practical ideas for helping students engage and to pay attention. I really appreciate how she pointed out some very interesting comparisons between entertaining and engaging. So if you didn't catch part one, be sure to go back and listen in. Cindy, welcome back. And for our listeners who may have missed part one, Cindy Dickinson is an experienced teacher who has also served as an administrator and currently is a national consultant for BJU Press. She is out in schools constantly, and she is sharing with us from her own classroom experiences and from those she is having on the road. And I'm really looking forward to what she has as we continue our conversation today. As we were wrapping up part one, you were talking about ways we can help students pay attention. We know so many things are pulling on students' attention these days. Let's take it a step further and talk about energizing the educational experience. So as we've said many times here on the show, let's put overalls on this and make it work. What are some practical ways to keep you, the educator, and your students energized? All right, energizing. Energizing is all about movement to me. Um, that's what pops into my mind, like maintaining a lively pace in your classroom, allowing students to get up, move around, have that short break that they really need. You know, there's a lot of ways that you can energize your kids and allow them to move around without losing instructional time. Absolutely. Um, you know, when you ask a question, instead of just letting kids raise their hand and answer, they can vote with their feet. So voting with your feet means you're just going to get up and you're going to move to the part of the room where uh, you agree that that answer is. So for example, let's say I, as the teacher, pitch out some type of an opinion. Um, if the students agree with the opinion, they may get up and go to the right side of the room. If they disagree with the opinion, they get up and go to the left side of the room. They have that small chance to kind of uh, discuss and collaborate right in their little group about um, their agreement of the opinion, their reasons why, facts to support it, uh, disagree on the other side as well. So, you know, voting with your feet, you're not going off of your educational path in any way. You're still asking the questions, still having them involved, but they get that little break of getting to be up and moving around. You know, another way kids feel energized is when they have a say in what they get to do. Kids like what we say, voice and choice. They want to have a voice and they want to have a choice. So giving kids the power to choose can really help them to feel energized, even when they're just like trying to uh, finish an assignment. 
Like, let's say that you uh, model your learning, you're working together through your lesson, you're doing your teacher understanding, you do some guided practice, and then they're going to do some independent practice. You know, even doing something as simply as allowing them to choose which problems they're going to answer on their work text pages or from their textbook. You know, so many times there's too many questions on the page. So we as teachers just say, you're just going to do all the odds. Well, why not let them pick? You know, they could pick all the odds. They could pick all the evens. They could pick half. If you're worried about the different um, concepts being in um, different portions of the work text page, hey, we're, you can pick three from each section to complete. Because when kids have voice and choice, um, they're going to feel more energized. You know, you could use something as simple as a choice board where you make a tic-tac-toe board and you put nine different activities on that board. And then the students are going to pick three in a row, um, or they're going to pick five out of the nine activities, you know, but once again, if they have voice and choice, they're going to feel more energized to complete those assignments. I know when my kids got like a little squirrely, I use the strategy of using brain breaks um, to energize my students. You know, I just purchased a set right off of teacher pay teachers. You could buy them or you could easily um, just as make, you know, just make them just as easily I know that they're just simple, like a little circular disc of paper. And on the front, there was a picture of the action and the name of the action. And then on the back, there was the description for what that action would be. So, you know, sometimes these would just be simple actions that you would do with your class after they had like a long work time. You feel like, okay, we've been working for a while. We just need to take a little break. Or maybe after a test, kind of that letdown of the stress from taking the test, or just, you know, whenever you feel like um, maybe they've disengaged and you want to pull them back in. So you're going to have a little bit of a break. And they're just easy activities that they can do right at their desk. So maybe they'll do something like jumping jacks or there's a variety of stretches. There were some yoga poses included or making animal noise or walking like a duck or marching like you're in a marching band. Um, the set that I purchased even include actions to help calm a classroom. So let's say you come in for a recess and everybody's all high strung or there was a transitional time where they came back from a related arts class or they're going to a related arts class and you just want them to kind of uh, calm down a little bit and be ready for the next stage in learning. And those involved a variety of like breathing techniques. So there was one that was called um, empty breath. There was an ear rub that was interesting for the kids. There was focus ball. Um, there was the head roll. And like I said, I just purchased them. They were a digital purchase, printed them out, cut them into the circle, slapped on some popsicle sticks and kept them in a container in my classroom. And then when I felt like the kids needed a break, I just went over the container and whipped one out. If you wanted to be super organized, you could color code the popsicle sticks and maybe have the calming ones on a yellow stick and have the more energizing ones on a red stick. Um, but once again, you just pull it out and then everybody knew, hey, we're going to take this little break here. And the kids were great about it. Um, you know, they did the movement during the time that we were supposed to. And then everybody came back and it really helped to energize them. And the teacher did those too, right? Yes, of course. I loved having the brain breaks. <laughs> yeah. Teachers no, need breaks it. too. <laughs> That's right. You know, and then actually my son gave me a good suggestion when we were talking about this on Sunday. He told me that he does mask walks. So Jenny, you have any idea what a mask walk is? A mask walk. Ooh, yeah. I'm not 
bringing up anything. Me neither. My Rolodex like, is blank. <laughs> I was like, what's a mask walk? And he was like, well, he said, back during COVID, the kids had to wear masks all day at school. And he said, I felt like sometimes they just needed a break from that. So what I did is I took them outside of the classroom. Everybody took their masks off and we walked around the building. He said, but then I realized that I didn't want to like burn my instructional time. So I started pitching out discussion questions during these mask walks. And as we were walking around the building, the kids would, um, you know, be talking about the discussion questions. He was able to float from clump of learner to clump of learner, you know, to see uh, what they were discussing and saying. And then they kind of recapped when they came back in. And he just felt like it was a really effective strategy. I mean, back then, so that they could have a break from the mask. But even now with math mandates gone, he still does that because he feels like it's a good effective strategy so that the kids are able to have that break, have that discussion, go outside, get some fresh air. And it's really energizing to the students. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Now I know what a mask walk is. <laughs> All right. And then the last one that we were talking about for being energized would be video clips. I mean, kids nowadays, they do like technology. They like the video clips. Video clips capture their attention, um, keep them energized. BJE Press has some wonderful online tools that provide teachers with a lot of video clips that they can show to their classrooms. Um, these video clips are currently being delivered through Teacher Tools Online, but next year, teachers are gonna be able to upgrade to our brand new technology platform called Trove. And I know that you have put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into Trove to make that a wonderful resource for teachers uh, going forward. And if you wanna tell us a little bit about that, uh, that would be great. Okay, so I'll give you your few second overview. Yes, we are so excited about Trove. It's our new learning experience platform. And if you use BJU Press materials, this is your go-to. So it'll be coming out next fall, fall of 2024. And it is fantastic. It has the teacher side where you can easily get to your resources. You can make collections so you're ready for teaching. You're not scrambling finding resources. You can preview them um, right there within Trove interact with them, just so many great features for the teacher side. But now we're also opening up a student side as well, where teachers can connect easily with their students, share resources, digital assessments galore. You will be able to access all of our textbooks through Trove, as well as all the assessments in those textbooks, as well as our tests and quizzes, all right there, as well as our test banks. Everything within Trove, you can print the assessments or use them digitally. There's just so much there. So there is my really quick promotion for Trove, but check it out. It's on our website. So thanks, Cindy, for that opportunity to, to share that out. Well, we are super excited about it. So let's take it a step further. What are some strategies to help promote student intrigue? We've talked about the energy and the excitement and being energized moving around. What about student intrigue? You know, some of the strategies that we already mentioned can really be helpful to promote student intrigue as well. You know, For video sure. clips, once again, they don't just capture students' attention. They can provide uh, intrigue as well. Open-ended questions, the same thing. Questioning is just a great strategy for promoting intrigue. You know, anytime we're asking students to read a portion of the textbook silently, whether it's in reading class, whether it's in science, whether it's in heritage studies, it's really important to give them a purpose for reading question. This will not only help them focus on the material that they're reading as they're reading, uh, looking for that answer. You can also ask questions to really help create interest in the story. 
you know, creating interest for students is so important. You know, we want to approach our lessons and our topics in a way that it makes kids want to find out more about it. We want to create a little mystery about what's happening during the lesson. You know, we want kids to think creatively and to be able to use their uh, skills to deduce and try to figure out what's in store for them in the next lesson. So, you know, try incorporating some mystery into your lessons. Um, you know, we talked about entertainment and how entertainment can be fun. Well, engagement can be fun as well. Um, learning is the most fun when kids don't know what to expect. So if you can incorporate a sense of mystery, maybe you have a new topic that you're going to be studying. So several days in a run-up to the study of that topic, give the kids some type of a new clue or hint each day about uh, what the new topic of study is going to be. I think that really will help to inspire their intrigue. You know, you want your lessons to be a little mysterious. You want your students to look forward to what are they going to be learning about next. You know, I remember when we studied uh, the Continental Congress, um, I taught third grade for a number of years, and there was like a suggestive interactive bulletin board. And each of the different items on the bulletin board were connected somehow to the Continental Congress. And one of those items was a fly swatter. And I have to say that fly swatter is really what created the most intrigue and mystery to the students because they were thinking, why in the world would she have, you know, a fly swatter on that bulletin board? Yeah, and I'm I asking think, that same question. <laughs> okay, there you go. So as the third graders learned, and most of the history buffs know, the reason why that fly swatter was included was because in those uh, days in July, July 2nd, July 3rd, July 4th, when you know they were trying to figure out um, and approve the wording for the Declaration of Independence, it was hot out. You know, it was really, really hot. The sessions were lasting hours. The members of the Congress were tired. They were impatient. And right near the hall where the debates were taking place was a livery stable. And so when somebody uh, opened up the windows during a break to let, you know, a cool breeze come in, swarms of horse flies came into the room where the debates were taking place. And they actually started attacking the legs of the members of the Continental Congress. And um, in Thomas Jefferson's words, he said, the annoyance became so extreme that we decided to end the meeting and just sign the declaration. Um, as another historian put it, he said, he said, apparently, treason is preferable to discomfort. <laughs> I guess so. so. Wow. <laughs> the things you learn on a podcast. <laughs> that's right. Well, that brings me to another way you can intrigue students, and that's through quotes. You know, that quote, treason was preferable to discomfort. You know, you pitch that out to a group of kids, and they have the opportunity to chat about it, whether they're doing it as an elbow partner, whoever they're sitting next to, whether they do it in a small group. Can they figure out the message behind the quote? Can they figure out what, you know, the topic's going to be or how it applied in that situation? So uh, quotes are another great way to promote intrigue. Photographs are a great way to promote intrigue. Um, this can be done in a variety of ways. You can take a photograph and cut it into pieces and pass those pieces out to the kids, kind of like their puzzle pieces, and they have to figure out how their pieces go together and what the topic of study is going to be. Um, you can actually put a grouping of photos, like three photos that don't appear to be linked or connected in any way. 
and have the kids start brainstorming and thinking about, um, you know, what could the topic be based off of those three photographs, helping them to think at a higher level, making those connections there as they're analyzing their photographs. You also could do this digitally through a PowerPoint slide and have the picture where only certain parts of the picture is showing up. And as you're going through, you open up and take off another piece so they can see uh, the picture get bigger and bigger, you know, and, and it's just a way of promoting intrigue there and in what the topic of study is going to be. And then um, the other one that came to my mind was the old ob mystery object in a bag. <laughs> you know, you oh, put yes. some type of mystery object in a bag. Um, I see this happen weekly at our church because this is what our pastor does on Sunday night. He does a segment called Not Just for Kids. And all of the kids get up from where they're sitting in the church and all rush down to the front of the church to sit there to be near with him. And he comes up with this, you know, mystery bag. It's a it's a really special bag and it has something inside of it, something that is going to connect to the sermon that he's about to give. And it's really neat because as adults, you sit there and when he pulls the object out of the bag, you kind of know the direction that he's going. Um, but, you know, it's fun to see the kids work through and uh, make those connections and figure it out. And sometimes he pulls stuff out of the bag and I don't even know how it's going to connect there. But it it provides that intrigue. And then it's neat to see how that unfolds as he explains the connection there. And so it's just a great way of providing some intrigue for the kids because then they're going to go back and they're going to sit and they're going to, you know, listen to a sermon after that. So mystery object in a bag as well. Yeah, I love that. And I noticed you said adults. And I mean, this works all different ages. I promise you during that time, no one's getting up to go get a drink or go to the restroom, not even the adults because right. they want to know. And the things that you're sharing, they're not expensive. They're not hard. They just take some thought and a little bit of time to put them together. And I really like how they connect to the real world, making this learning authentic. You know, sometimes students understand why they have to do this. And I've even had teachers who apologize that we have to learn this because we know it's kind of a dull topic. Well, you know what? If we communicate that, why on earth are they going to love it? So I love how you're showing the energy and excitement in communicating to them. And that's contagious because they're going to pick up on that. And when you have a mystery item, they're going to want to get involved, even if they are those seniors who are just so ready to be done, but they just can't help but maybe be involved. So I love those things. I love getting into it as a teacher because that's going to get your students in as well. So as we wrap up this episode, let's zoom out. We want to engage students. We want to see them motivated and doing well. So let's end with this final question. How do we inspire students? What do you think, Cindy? Well, I think one of the main ways to inspire kids is to find something they're passionate about. Um, for my husband, it was sports. So, you know, when we were discussing this, he mentioned to me that when he was eight years old, he was a big University of Michigan fan and still is today. And, you know, their big rivalry is with um, the Ohio State. As a matter of fact, they just had a big, uh, you know, when they're playing their football games, Michigan beat Ohio State three years in a row, Jenny. So, um, and if you know my Noted. husband in, <laughs> in any way, he's a big U of M fan and he's also a big numbers guy. So poetry's not his thing. But as an eight-year-old, he became passionate about this big rivalry game and he actually wrote a poem. And 50 years later, yeah, 50 years later, he can still remember, you know, the first two lines down in the tunnel in the cold of the day, Woody and his boys dressed in scarlet and gray. So, you know, that to me just showed, hey, he was so passionate about that, that he was wanting to uh, write this poem 
um, about this big rivalry game coming up. You know, you want to help kids, um, you know, you want to realize what their passion is and help them connect with something that's greater than themselves. Uh, you did mention that I worked in China for two years, and I will tell you, one of the highlights of our school year over there was the annual Christmas concert. Um, it was a big night for students, parents. It was a big night for us to get the gospel out uh, to people. And the program was pretty much like what you have here in the United States, um, where there was a lot of things going on. Kids were memorizing lines if they were in the play. They did choreography. They performed. Different groups of students did the sets. They did the props. They decorated the banquet hall. Um, but unlike here in the USA, where we do that over a period of several months, we did it in five days. Wow. The kids, now we planned the, um, you know, what the play was going to be and all and before, but the kids got their scripts and everything on Monday and we performed it on Friday. And I'm telling you, it was the type of thing where everybody worked together. The students were connecting with something greater than themselves. And I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes. That Monday morning when we started working on that and I knew they had all that work to do, I was thinking there is no way they're going to get this done. But they wanted to do a really good performance that they were able to share with their family and friends. So, you know, they were really into it. It really inspired them. And, you know, I know that inspiring could be a level that we're not going to reach each and every day. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I like to kind of think of it as a pyramid where the bottom level is all about uh, paying attention, asking open-ended questions, doing some collaboration. Of course, the next level would be that energizing where you want to give them chances to have some breaks, maybe do a brain break, take a mask walk. Um, give them the energy that they need so that they can maintain their attention. Then that next step would be the intrigue and the different strategies we talked about there. And of course, the very top of that pyramid is going to be inspiration. And one of the greatest opportunities we have as Christian educators is we can not only ignite passion and inspire students academically, but we can also inspire students with the ultimate goal of using the talents that God has given them to go out from our classrooms and serve the Lord and point others to Christ. And that's what it's all about. You know, we really need students that are going to be willing to choose careers where they can make a big spiritual difference in the world. You know, I know that it's the, uh, you know, parents dream to have a doctor in the family or a lawyer. You know, I've never heard people be like, oh, we really want to have a teacher in the family. But you know what? Um, of course, there are wonderful Christian doctors and uh, lawyers and people that do other professions. But at some point, like in your life and my life and the life of these teachers, somebody came alongside us. It was somebody or some event or something that pointed us down the path of Christian education. And, you know, that's really what we need. You know, so many teachers, they give up lucrative careers, big houses, full bank accounts to pursue the higher calling of Christian education. But we need to remember, guess what? We're really making a difference in the world. It is such a privilege. The opportunities that we have in our classrooms to go out and to teach the kids, to show them the world with a biblical worldview and to inspire the next generation for Christ. Wow, we're the lucky ones. Yeah, well said for sure. So to loop back around to the beginning of the episode, we can't teach only how we learn. We can't teach only how we were taught. 
If our students are going to succeed, we need to know the needs of our students and we need to know how they learn and then be committed to teaching in a way where they can learn. We, as you just said, we really only have a short time with these students and that time flies by so quickly and they really deserve the best that we can give them. Cindy, thank you so much. Your insights and ideas have been so practical. It really has been a privilege having you here with us today. So thank you. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you were challenged and encouraged because I definitely was. Remember to go to teacheredishonpodcast.com to submit questions for upcoming episodes. Of course, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. Now, it's time to get back to your day, but it's not just any day because every day in the classroom is your day to impact and inspire through God's power and through his grace working in you. So go do what God has called you to do. Yeah.